This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I'm Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz as we continue to roll through February. If you missed our last episode, it was Sean and Brian Doan breaking down what has been a big span for Penn State recruiting offensive linemen. Of course, the big transfer portal pickup earlier on Monday that Brian and Sean talked about in depth. And that's one of five offensive line commitments in an 11-day span. We've got a review of that up on lines247.com. But just want to encourage folks, I know it's the offseason, maybe you're popping in a little bit less frequent, but uh, Sean, as usual, Brian Doan brought the goods when he joined you on Monday. Five commits on the offensive line through four different classes, I guess, if we'll call Hunter Norzad a class of his own as a, as a transfer. But yeah, it's pretty remarkable. I think uh, given the feedback we've gotten from the, the having Doan on, it's it's always a popular segment. Uh, does not mince words, that one Brian Doan. So always great to have him. But yeah, I mean, it's a hot streak. We're, we're sorry you, you missed that one, um, but it's uh, it, it was something worth talking about. It's, it's really, when you look at Penn State's offensive line, and we've talked about this dozens of times um you know after every game and then at the the two after every game and you know just keep, keep going the offensive line has been such a problem that you've been able to flip it around almost uh you know almost immediately and that's the, we didn't think it would happen we didn't expect that to happen but Phil Troutwine's been building these relationships with these guys especially these 2023 guys for a long time and he was able to turn on the switch now the the trick for Penn State fans is to Take take this for what it's worth. In that this looks good for the future. That offensive line is still a huge work in progress, and we'll get into that in a little bit um, in, in, when we talk some spring ball. But yeah, it's been it's been really remarkable to watch this come together. There's still some big targets out there. There's some guys that Penn State actually stands in in pretty good shape with as well. So you know, for for us to be talking about how much space are they capped at for this class on the offensive line right now, and this is referring to the 2023 class, of course. That's a big change from what we've seen in the last couple of cycles. Absolutely. And I know people want to see on-field results and we'll have a chance to see that starting the spring and more specifically in the fall. Um, literally the only guy out of these five we think will factor in there, of course, is Hunter Norzad coming in uh, after a stellar career in all Ivy League campaigns with Cornell. Um, everybody else, you're looking at maybe all the way into tw- 2027 as kind of that impact. You go all the way to Cooper Cousins, a 2024 commit, your first 24 commit. Uh, but not to retread on this too much. Again, it was in focus last episode, and we're going to try to stick to that Monday episode moving ahead. I think it gives us a little bit more of a breathing room in between our shows. So look for Monday and Thursday uh, as the two days that we'll get our episodes out to you. Of course, breaking news and, and different kind of stuff like that can change that up, but, but keep a lookout for that starting next week. Uh, Sean, another adjustment that has been made, uh, Penn State versus Purdue, no longer on a Saturday. It's as rumored, moving to Thursday, September 1st, third consecutive season that Penn State hits the road for an opener in Big Ten country. They did it in 2020 at Indiana. They did it in 2021 at Wisconsin. Now they'll make the trip uh, to Purdue and Thursday night football. We already know James Franklin's not a fan of this, but buckle up because the Big Ten has decided this is what it will be. 
He he's not a fan of this in the sense that uh, you know he's he doesn't want to play a, a night or weeknight game or a, you know Friday night game um, during this during the in the in season. I think that's the important part of this is you can tack it on at the beginning of the season with minimal impact, get your guys a little bit more rest, get you started a little bit sooner. Um, you can go to camp a little bit sooner because I think it's twenty eight days out. Um, is when you're when you're allowed to start. So there are benefits to this. Um, I guarantee you, he doesn't want to play on a Thursday night. But I mean, that's kind of where you're at in this uh, in this TV world right now. So I, I, I think there, you know, this is kind of separate from playing uh, at Illinois on in, in late September, like they did a couple of years ago on a Friday night. So this is kind of different. Gives them a little bit of more of an advantage to to get some rest after that first game, to get some extra film after that first game, maybe enhance their their game one to game two sort of progress. Um, now, ideally, it would be nice to start at home, you know, again in the Big Ten for once. <laughs> yeah, obviously, <What? laughs> we've breaking down we, we we've broken down those numbers before. And it's just uh, it's kind of ridiculous how that that's all worked out. But that's neither here nor there. They were opening on the road against Purdue no matter what. Now you just move it back a couple of days. Give yourself some time um, to prepare for it. Give yourself some time to recover from it and and go from there. So there's going to be him and hauling. This is Thursday night in West Lafayette. Does anybody want to be in West Lafayette on a Thursday night? I don't know. But this is not something that's that's really new to the conference. Ohio State opened uh, last year on a Friday night, I believe. So those ratings uh, will give you added exposure. I guess you could put that silver lining in there as well. Um, but just for it being the opening game of the season, I think that's the main thing to look at here is, is it doesn't change a ton from a football standpoint. Now, if you're planning on going to this game and you were planning on maybe making a, a Labor Day weekend out of it or something like that, it's going to change your plans. But from a football perspective, which is what we're trying to cover here, it doesn't really do all that much to to your personal schedule. Maybe it does open up some Labor Day plans for folks. Uh, usually there's a Penn State game smack dab in the middle of Labor Day weekend. That's not the case now. So uh, you have maybe your fantasy other... draft on a Saturday this year. There yeah. it is. That's the solution that we've been looking for. Um, Purdue, by the way, nine and four uh, last season. Uh, really a th one of the best games of the bowl season against Tennessee, a game that went in overtime in the Music City Bowl was their ninth win. Last time these two teams met was back in Beaver Stadium in 2019. It was homecoming that year. Uh, Penn State was rolling through the early portion of its schedule unbeaten. They beat the Boilermakers that day, 35 to seven. Uh, all time, uh, Penn State carries a 15-3 and one advantage in this series. And Sean, 30 years now of Big Ten schedules for the Nittany Lions. This will be the 21st time that their first conference matchup occurs away from home. Um, you mentioned something there that you're going to get an earlier start to, to camp. You get a couple extra days before your second game, which is Ohio. Beyond that, you've got a trip to Auburn, which is just a train wreck at this point down there in the SEC. Um, mm. So we, we talked about this schedule quite a bit. Uh, Illinois off and Northwestern on. Um, the order of things doesn't change again here with the February update, but you're getting started on a Thursday. September 1st is the new kickoff date. And, and I do want to make this point, Sean, because you're opening on the road against a team that, that's coming off a successful campaign. It's, it's going to be a, a Big Ten matchup. James Franklin, early on in the seasons, we, we've seen this really short rotations at, at key positions, not a lot of snaps being distributed. I think when you're talking about certainly the quarterback, quote unquote, competition, whatever that transpires in the coming months, Sean Clifford on the road in a Big Ten game, that's hard to turn away from. I don't think Sean Clifford is going to get benched between now and, and, and game one. But I think if you kind of throw that dynamic in there, something to note. And then I just think across the board, uh, it's going to be really inter interesting to see how Franklin and the staff operate because there's going to be a bunch of players that maybe they think could provide a spark in, in this game. But they also may be looking for players with a higher floor 
you can't afford miscues and you know they want to come home with with that one and no record yeah i mean get ready for the experience storylines because it's sean clifford on one side and aiden o'connell's a six-year senior uh, slated to be the starting quarterback for purdue so a lot of uh coaching trust going into that one um no david bell which is absolutely huge um you know i know mm. purdue played without him in the bowl game but still i mean it's just uh you take an all big 10 i think we was receiver of the year in the conference last year uh take him out of the equation things change for purdue so it'll be interesting to see how they sort of um replenish their passing attack through that but yeah a lot of experience um yeah it's it's not uh it's not dissimilar to the the wisconsin game this year and, and you mentioned the tightened up rotations and getting those guys um you know that that have played a lot of football out there and and, and leaning on their experience and i think that's probably this, kind of the same thing of what you see here um it'll be interesting to see how they handle the thursday night approach um you know a little different i don't think it changes all that much with your prep because um, you still have that 28 day window and you can still work on the same calendar where you start game prep two weeks before, you know, just like 14 days before the, uh, the actual game. So I don't think that changes anything, but maybe from a day of perspective, guys learning how to travel, maybe true freshmen coming into it and, and seeing what that's like. And, and that's another thing when you go sometimes for these, if you were playing, um, you know, your first road game at Auburn or something like that, you could take your whole squad. Since it's a big 10 game, you're going to be limited to how many guys can travel. So that's going to change some things. Um, but again, that's no different than it being on a Saturday. So I, I don't think it changes all that much in, ter in terms of team prep. Um, you know, we've seen them go on the road. They scored, what, 63 points at Illinois in 2018. They scored 59, I think, at Maryland on a Friday night in 2019. Yeah. Um, so they, they've done okay before in this scenario. Now, new, new coaches and new faces and everything like that. Um, but still, it's it's a scenario that, that's not going to be crippling or anything like that unless you were – you know, plan on spending a sunny Saturday afternoon in West Lafayette, and which my condolences to you. That Friday win at Illinois, when Miles Sanders took over the matchup, that was Penn State's first Friday game as a Big Ten competitor. Um, and then you saw the one a few years back against Maryland. It was Sean Clifford's first start, and they just absolutely decimated the, the Maryland crowd that had the blackout set up down there. So as much as James Franklin has gone on the record saying he is not a fan of these Friday night games or the non-Saturday games um it, your point is a is a great one that this is not week five and you're not throwing a wrench into your plans as the season continues and, and and also it's been pretty kind to penn state based on the results thus far uh big test in week one for them in the big 10 heading to purdue uh we got a long time to talk about that matchup sean but th that that just broke in the last 45 minutes or so before we sat down to record yeah, and and that's that's going with what you're saying. How how is it different in the season? I mean, you you get done playing a Saturday game, um, you know, you come back in Sunday, you give a Monday off, and then you get back in it Tuesday, and then all of a sudden, if you've got a Friday night game, you know, the short week does make a difference in your prep. This one, it's really different. I mean, you can have a scrimmage on, you know, you move a scrimmage up a day on Friday, uh, you know, the week before the game, or sorry, on Thursday the week before the game, or something like that, and then get into your game week how you can dictate how you want to get into your game week. So that's that's really the the small change and i don't think it it really means a lot in terms of that and um i'm not sure when classes start and things like that uh for the uh for the 2022 fall semester but i, I don't think it really changes all that much with that and yeah i mean it's it, it'll be interesting to to see how they handle it but that's more of a team uh team conversation to have rather than a scheduling thing this is not something that caught penn state off guard this has been rumored since even before that rescheduling um or the 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 reworking of the big 10 schedule um so not a surprise to, to penn state at all 
And by the way, you mentioned David Bell being gone. George Harloftis, one of the better defenders that Purdue has had come through their program. Um, he's also focused on the NFL right now. First team, all Big Ten uh, selection last year. We, we were going to talk a lot about what Penn State is missing uh, from their 2021 roster going into this matchup. Purdue down some really special players uh, as well. Sean, shifting gears, uh, you know, the earliest portions of preparing for these kind of matchups occur in winter. And we've got winter workouts now occurring uh, here in State College. Uh, that started on Tuesday. New staff, uh, evolving roster. There, there's a bunch happening here. And, and this is a key chunk of the calendar year. I, I know it doesn't get as much fanfare as the spring game and the blue-white game and certainly not as training camp. But this is where you start to figure out a lot. This is where some players get called out. This is where the staff and new coaches kind of learn how to handle their relationships, how to push players, how to pull back with players. And I think it's going to be really important uh, what happens behind the scenes there uh, between now and spring break. Yeah, and uh, it's good. It's good for traffic too during this time of the year. That yeah. I sent some texts out the other day. I said, "Hey, name Sean Clifford the top performer <laughs> quarterback. Jonathan Sutherland, make him at linebacker, and then just throw like Nick Tarburton in there at DN and then get people yeah. talking." And it surely did. So, um, no, I mean these these player shoutouts are what they are. Some of them are motivating. Some of them are are rewarding and things like that. I think there's a method to the madness here. Um, but reading into anything beyond that is just uh, it's it's pretty fruitless. So it, it's fun to I, I get a chuckle out of it every year when. I it comes up and you know we start hand wringing and things like that um i don't think we've quite gotten there yet but uh it's it, it's always fun to watch with those uh with those i guess player shout out of the day yeah we got our second batch of those player shout outs today the only two-time selection Kevon lee in the running back room so people are already wondering where's nick singleton what's gone wrong yeah no there's a lot you can read between the lines but you don't have to uh with these tweets uh, it'll be fun to follow, though, as winter workouts continue. Hopefully we'll get a chance to speak with the new staff. Chuck Losey, of course, now in charge. And, and Sean, you mentioned this about the strength and conditioning and, and some of the new faces and, of course, Galt being gone. And we'll, we'll learn about those ramifications. But you wrote up in one of your trimming pieces last week about there are some tangible, I guess, adjustments that, that, that are now surfacing. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's it's something that where you see – uh, a, a changeover process like this. It just is old guard to new guard type things. I mean, Chuck is obviously a younger guy than Dwight. Dwight, I, it, it's the wrong thing to say Dwight's stuck in his ways, but he did things so well for so long. It's it's easy to to, to go back into those habits. So I just think with a new staff, um, you know, led by Chuck, they'll, they'll take some new things into account here. Um, just talking to people in the program, you know, just different dynamic warmups and competitions and things like that, that kind of keep players engaged and putting players in certain groups with, uh, with guys on similar tracks and things like that. And I think the science aspect of it's probably the biggest thing. John Fleury is now, um, you know, with the, you know, he's, he's one of the, the sports scientists or whatever, but now he's more involved with the strength and conditioning. So I think that's something where you, you're, you're, you're sort of getting younger and adjusting to the times. And like I said, tremendous respect for Dwight Galt, one of the best of all time. Um, but you know, there's, there's things that you can pick up and sort of modernize some things. And I'm, I'm excited to see if there's any, you know, things that you notice, or we can notice if we get in there for, uh, for one of those workouts or something of, of that nature. We've become accustomed over the years to getting kind of an annual post-winter workout report from Dwight Galt before the team uh, leaves for spring break. We hope that could be the case uh, maybe with Chuck this time around, uh, make his big debut in a, in a media scrum. Uh, we'll find out soon enough. But, Sean, a big thing that Dwight Galt always could hang his hat on, and I think when you review his resume at Penn State, a lot of people want to point to it, those results at the NFL scouting combine from some of the guys he worked with over the years, the way they developed – 
the next batch of those guys getting ready. They'll have Penn State Pro Day uh, coming up in March. But before then, the scouting combine back in Indianapolis. Been a weird couple of years with COVID. Uh, seeing guys sending in videos of their workouts. It's been kind of all over the place with the draft prospect. A little bit of, of a similar routine from what we knew in the years earlier. And that includes a week in Indianapolis for eight former Penn State players. That's the highest total of invitations sent out by the NFL scouting combine to the Penn State uh, alum since 2018, which was when Saquon Barkley and Mike Kosicki and, and Troy Appy, as you well know, went out there and dazzled in Indianapolis. They, they did They did okay that year, if I recall correctly. Also, Grant Haley was out there, and he's going to play in the Super Bowl this weekend. Yes. So that's uh, um, pretty pretty cool. But, yeah, I mean, not no real surprises here. I mean, guys that you could have put on the edge here, Derek Tangelo, Ellis Brooks, guys like that. But, you know, they'll, they'll get their chance at Pro Day. You go down the list, Dotson, obviously uh, a guy that's been talked about in the first round, Arnold Nebikiti, uh, a lot of buzz about him just kind of flying up the board. He had another good week in the uh, in the Senior Bowl, as did Jesse Lucchetta, who continues to, to climb and climb and climb. And I know that we've talked about his decision in the past, but uh, he's, he's really um, sort of solidified himself, maybe as a mid-round guy, probably more as an edge prospect, but he went down to Mobile and, and had a really, really good week and capped it with a really good performance in a game. And you know, Jesse, if you get around him, you interview him, you kind of, um, you know, get a good sense of uh, that, that he's a guy that you probably would like on your team. Um, Jaquan Brisker, is in the mix for a first thing. He's kind of in that Dotson area in that first to second round three Castro fields is an interesting one because I know a lot of scouts like him, a lot of football people like him. Um, you know, he, he didn't maybe have the production um, that you would think uh, based on the, the combine invite, the senior bowl and things like that. But I think he's a draft pick. I think he's, he's a draftable prospect. Rashid Walker is going to be the one that can gain the most or lose the most by going. I mean, I think that that's uh, um, probably not even, particularly close when you look at that uh you know he's he's going to be a guy that's going to have to interview well test well and things like that because you've seen the the potential but the film this year you know especially did not really back that up but he's he's got the potential and that's what nfl scouts will want and then of course brandon smith um you know not in the same boat but scouts are going to want to see him test and he's going to test well and then jordan stout who's going to probably run the fastest 40 out of all the specialists i would hope <laughs> well I, i'm going through this list there well you just went through the list and Man, Walker is fascinating, isn't he? I mean, last year when, when he decided to, to stick around for a fourth year, people were wondering if he would do that. Um, you know, you saw some early 2022 NFL draft projections saying maybe he's flirting with the first round status. We didn't see that, you know, kind of version of Rasheed Walker that was talked about all offseason. We didn't see a dominant force there at left tackle. And, and overall, of course, you can poke throw poke holes across the board with this offensive line. He's part of that. But his decision to Head to the draft, I think, surprised some people because he was down in Tampa. I know it surprised me because he was down in Tampa and he was on crutches. And I don't know what his status was and how long he was using those and what his recovery process looked like. But uh, the combine starts March 1st. So it's going to be really important, I think, for Rasheed Walker to, to have it together physically. Um, there's a lot of athletic tackles. Um, not, not many who have played as much football at the Power 5 level as him. Three seasons worth of starting experience. But Walker, you know, he's kind of like just an open-ended situation as a prospect right now because we didn't see him, I guess, reach that next plateau at Penn State that we thought might happen in, in 2021. And I, I don't know if that means that it can't happen for him on a football field uh, with the right fit maybe a few years from now. I know Donovan Smith has surpassed a lot of people's expectations coming out of Penn State and what he's done with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is kind of a, a staple of their offense for a better part of a decade at this point. 
that stands out. And then how about Brandon Smith? Uh, this was a, a player who came in as a number one linebacker in 24-7 sports rankings. Uh, I was eye on him. Um, but, you know, I've said it just as you have. It didn't show up consistently game one through game 12. And, and he was out for the postseason. And, and all of a sudden, Brandon Smith's Penn State career came to an end. Now, we saw guys like Todd McShay, I think it was, putting Brandon Smith in his top 50 about a month ago. Um, his pendulum in terms of if he's going up or down coming out of March, I don't know where it will be, but I think that one could swing as wildly as anybody. Well, you look at him and he's six, four and he can move really well. And he's got all these, you know, the, these plus traits that these scouts look for. It's only going to take one team. I think he's one of those prospects that could be uh, a second round pick on one board and could be a six round pick on another, you know, just based on the tape and things like that. So I think it's just going to take a team and somebody will fall in love with Brandon Smith. I don't, I don't really have any doubt about that. I'm just curious where that, where that falls. And, and, and by the way, Donovan Smith, when I think Tampa Bay offense, you know, a fixture of that, I, I think Donovan Smith, not the, not the other guy that just retired or, or those receivers or anything like that. But I mean, that's the comp for Walker. It's going to be, you know, when you look at the way that both of their careers ended at Penn State, it's kind of the same thing. And, you know, you had questions about that. And I think he ended up, what, in the top 40, top 35 or something like that. He's been a starter in this league for a long time. I think I think Walker could do it just based on his talent, his potential and things like that. Now needs a kick in the pants to go in the right direction and, and sort of harness all that. But uh, you've got uh, you've got an opportunity there at a position that is so tough and so um, devoid of legitimate premium talent that that Walker could find himself, you know, maybe back on that upswing coming into the spring. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, last year was the first time in 18 years that Penn State produced multiple NFL draft picks. Of course, Micah Parsons, despite the opt-out, was a slam dunk. You look at the wide receiver group right now, it is a deep group. That could push Jahan down a bit. Uh, Arnold Abikati is a riser, but you still don't consistently see him showing up in first-round mocks. And, and we're still a ways off, but it could be a case where you get multiple first-round picks for the second straight year. And that would be an excellent thing for the program to kind of trumpet out there. But you also may end up with like three of the top 10 guys on that day two draft board. You know, like when you kind of reset the board and you say who's available, you might end up with a few of those guys. So, you know, that's why the next, what, six, seven weeks are such a proving ground, because when you're when you're parsing through measurements and tape and interviews and, and you know, that stuff adds up and it can make the difference between going number 27 and having to sleep on it and going number 35. 
Yep. Combine is going to be very important for these guys is, you know, and, and going back to position, um, you know, the, the premium on the position is Dotson. There's a lot of really good wideouts out there. There's, you know, safeties that are good that aren't, you know, it's not a premium position. It's not like corner where you're trying to, to find the next guy in the first round and things like that. So that might hurt Brisker a little bit. Uh, Ebikiti, you always need somebody to rush, rush the passer. It's so such a key thing. So that might just help him a little bit, but yeah, I think these, these tests and these interviews and things like that are going to go a long way in determining, you know, do you fall into that late first round do you do you climb as one of those first 10 picks in the uh, in the second round as you alluded to um you know i think regardless it's a good spot to be for those guys uh, especially going into into the combine and and we'll talk about this for the next couple of months i'm sure yeah the, the nfl draft is in las vegas this year uh three days as usual it's going to be in late uh april but between now and then a lot of work to do for these guys uh, we'll you should uh, you should you should go to that you should ask your wife if you, if you can go to <laughs> vegas for four days for the for i'll the take olive too yeah uh we'll have a great time um sean getting back to the current penn state roster actually not even the current penn state roster the aspirational future penn state roster the nittany lions uh, on a couple uh, notable top schools lists that surfaced. We're starting to enter that time of the year where official visit window is going to be opening up in April. Guys are trying to figure out where they're going to get to, and these lists are going to start coming out more frequently. Tamarian Parker out of Alabama has Penn State on his top list. He's a top 100 defensive lineman. And then Caden Proctor, who's considered the number one overall offensive tackle in 24-7 sports rankings out of Iowa, also includes the Nittany Lions on his list. These guys got to visit campus, but it's nice to be mentioned at this stage of the season, uh, this yeah. stage of the calendar. Yeah, you may be five out of five and seven out of seven. Those are two pretty good prospects, yeah. and and to be named in there means you're you're in position. You're putting yourself in position to potentially earn a an official visit. Tamarian Parker, they've always kind of been in on. Um, you know, we don't really mention him a ton as a as a big time target or anything like that, just because I don't think he's been been to campus. But Alabama, Georgia, Penn State, Ohio State, Tennessee. That's pretty good. Pretty good company for a guy that's uh, that, that's in Phoenix City, Alabama, and, and that's a spot that they've actually. I don't want to say have had success, but they've had guys from TJ Metcalf visited a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Dakari Nelson, the safety. Uh, visited uh, from Selma, visited during the season. And so they've had guys up from Alabama. Manny Diaz was there a couple of weeks ago, just uh, popping into school. So trying to carve out some sort of area that they can maybe, I don't want to say grab the second tier prospects, but let's be honest, if, if you're a top tier prospect in Alabama, probably going to Alabama, probably going to a big SEC school. So um, it's about forging those relationships and spots like that and trying to trying to mine what you can find a gem. Um, you know, they think they got a good one in Harrison Wallace and, you know, maybe they can follow up and and, and grab someone like Tamari and Parker, although the odds seem to be stacked against them. And then Cade Proctor, one of the top tackles in the country. Penn State's been you know, just chipping away at that relationship. And really with some of these guys, that's all you can do. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where they're in the back half of that one, I think too, but given the success that they've had, why not shoot big? You've got Caden Proctor, you've got Samson Oak and Lola there at tackle. Um, you know, Evan Link is a guy that's not as highly rated, but they really think a lot of Evan Link. So, um, you know, you're still chipping away, even though you've had a ton of success on, on the offensive line so far in this cycle. Yeah, Proctor stands out just a bit there for Southeast Polk High School in Des Moines, Iowa. Six foot seven, three hundred and thirty pounds, and he plays violently. Um, his top schools list, it's it's seven on that list. Alabama, Georgia, Iowa, Michigan, Notre Dame, Oregon, and Penn State. Again, we're coming up towards that official visit window, which has not been open in April since 2019. So a pretty important stretch coming up as Penn State tries to assemble their upcoming guest list. Um, Sean, it's time we're, for the five-star. One more thing there. Sorry. We talk. We yeah. talk about hats on the table all the time. 
that's yes. a that's a table worth having your hat on. I mean, you've got Alabama and anytime you can have Alabama in there legitimately, you know, that's the thing. This is this kid is the number five prospect in the country, according to the 24 seven composite rankings. So, um, you know, it's not a situation where this is a kid that you offered when he was a sophomore and you haven't talked to him for a year and a half. And all of a sudden your hat pops up on the table, which we've seen right. that this is a different table this is a bigger table. The kids six, seven and huge. Um, but uh, it's it, I think it's worth, you know, being an afterthought in this recruitment is it, it's, it improves your visibility and it improves your um, sort of morale as a staff and things like that. So it's, it, it tells your staff they're doing things right. And that, that's not only with Phil Troutwine, but that's also the recruiting staff as well. Hats on the table. Can you get your football facility on the travel itinerary this spring? That's, that's the next step for you in the process. And it's time for our five-star mailbag, Sean. And, and it's a question uh, that, that's tricky for us because we talk about Penn state so much, but let's give it a shot. Are there any particular Penn State players you feel are a bit under the radar this offseason for whatever reason? Yeah, like you mentioned, when you talk about this stuff, 365, it's uh, it's tough to go under the radar because I'm going through the, the the roster and it's like, well, we, we just talked about that guy in the podcast last month or we just talked about this guy and this guy. Um, so I, I think there's a couple of guys that, that jump out to me and. You know, some will be starters, uh, others will be rotation guys. Keandre, Keandre Lambert Smith, of course, we're going to talk a lot about Parker Washington, going to talk a lot about Mitchell Tinsley, who I wrote up something about last week um, in another one of those trimmings pieces with the the early feedback on him. But Keandre Lambert Smith is is still developing. I think that there's, uh, you know, a jump that can be made in this offseason, get stronger. Um, you know, there's, there's no shame in being the third guy if you can be effective. And he's been a guy that's been able to get deep. He's been a guy that's been able to catch balls. He's still working on that uh the mental aspect of the game where if he drops a ball you've got to you know bounce back right away and get get to it so i think keandre lambert smith if he has a a good off season can get a little stronger can really um you know make some make some moves i don't know that he's going up much higher than than being a starter but uh yeah i mean he's a tremendously physically gifted guy he's a very competitive guy he's a guy that they like a lot so um you know holding on to that spot and and taking it and run with running with it could be a could be a good opportunity for him um and this wide receiver group and when you lose a guy like Jahan Dotson there's certainly opportunity there so go with him on the offense defense is is interesting because we heard a lot about this guy last spring and then he kind of I don't want to say went away but you had Joey Porter and Terry Castro Fields playing a ton of snaps at, at corner this year. Um, Kalen King did get in there. He did play a bunch, um, but he's going to be counted on as a guy that can come in and, and compete and start uh, this year. So I think Kalen King is probably because of the wavelength of his career where he was so high so early and then kind of took a backseat to those veteran guys who played very well. Um, then, you know, that, that that's kind of a roller coaster that he's on. So I think it's an opportunity for him. Maybe a guy that we're not talking about much, as, as much as we should is probably the right way to say this. I think uh, he got one of those shout outs today as I, uh, you know, for, for those winter workouts. So interested to see what Kalen King can bring to the table. I think he's a guy that, uh, you know, has still has star potential. Um, in this defense and in, in his college career, but we kind of forget about him because, you know, those guys in front of him played such a heavy log of snaps. And I'm going to stick in the defensive secondary on that side of the ball. And, and I was thinking about Johnny Dixon, um, who, by the way, got the shout out from Terry Smith today after the winter workout. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go in a different direction, go Daquan Hardy. I mean, uh, it may sound weird under the radar because he played a ton of football for this team last year, but he turned a position that we spent a lot of time discussing in 2020 into a position that we didn't spend much time discussing during 2021. And that is a good thing um, because of his work and coverage. Um, I, I, he certainly is always going to have some physical limitations compared to some of these other names we've mentioned in the backfield. And you look at Kalen King and 
the way he's set up at, at cornerback and you look at Daquan Hardy next to him, I just think it's really impressive what Hardy has meant to this defensive backfield. The guy that can play cornerback from them, they found a, a role that's really in his sweet spot at the slot. And then down in, in bowl coverage is something we didn't need to end up reporting on, but he was being prepared to potentially start at safety uh, or play substantial snaps at safety uh, with Jaquan Brisker out. And, and of course, as it was made public afterward, uh, Jair Brown was waiting to see if he would be able to duck the coat, get, uh, get the COVID negative that was required so he could actually play in the Outback Bowl. And so I think Daquan Hardy, because of that versatility, coming into year four, guys who's played a ton of football, and I think he's become more of a vocal presence for this team as well. And this is a team that I'm curious about the makeup of them from a leadership standpoint with some of the losses they have. I think you throw in Tariq Castrofields, Jaquan Brisker leaving this backfield. There's room for new guys to step up in meetings on the field. And uh, I think Daquan Hardy can potentially fill that presence. And, and on the offensive side of the football, I don't know about you, but there's this sense that there's only two quarterbacks uh, on the roster right now. One is Sean Clifford, the guy who everyone has known for a long time. The other is Drew Allard, the shiny new toy that everyone wants to play with. Christian Veyu is still around, and he's somebody that I like what I got a chance to see from him. I think that Rutgers game, the way that game played out, say what you will about the Scarlet Knights, and you've said plenty over the years, Sean, but he showed up and he, and, and he didn't have a full week of preparation and he didn't know he was going to be starting until, or he didn't know he was going to be playing so extensively until the game got underway. And, and I, I liked the way he answered that bell. Um, we, we didn't get to see him till late in the outback bowl, hard to judge much off of that. But I think that whole week of practice, getting those QB two reps, I'd imagine he was getting some QB one reps in, in December as well with, with Sean Clifford getting some veteran treatment, really curious to see how he responds. I think he's got the, uh, the attitude that is required to handle this situation, not every quarterback uh, is going to be standing tall in the wake of bringing in the number one quarterback in the country and having the guy ahead of you come back for a sixth senior for a sixth year at your senior season. But Christian has a big senior camp in front of him. I think he's going to have to go out there and go side by side with these guys. And, and, and I'm just curious how he states his case in this competition. I think people are very quickly trying to build that bridge from Sean Clifford to Drew Aller, and I completely understand why, and we've helped provide the, the ammo to do that. But I, I think it's important that we note that Christian Veyu can play football, um, and he's going to get a chance to do that here for Penn State. I agree. And going back to your hardy point, you go on the road to Purdue the first week of the season, they're going to try and throw the ball. You need a nickel back ready to go. Hardy has obviously excelled at that last year. Um, and then Veyu, yeah, the quarterback position is an interesting one um, because you've got to get those, those younger guys snaps, but at the same time, you've got a younger guy with experience. So that's certainly um, helpful in, in that situation. I will throw one more out there um, with the, um, with the disclaimer in front in all caps that, I don't think the offensive line is going to be very good this spring. Don't expect the offensive line to be very good this spring. Um, they're still, you know, going to have to replace the guys that are that are gone that you know weren't very good last fall. Um, but uh, Golden Achumba is an interesting one to me, uh, just from talking to people. Um, Salim Wormley was a guy that was in line to start last year. He got hurt. He's kind of on the fence about spring. I would probably say, like, I, I don't think you need to bring him back. Like, I think that it would be good to get him reps and things like that. But there's no games to prepare for, so don't press him the hardest you can out there. But but looking at that right guard position, at least until Hunter Norzak gets there, Wormley is kind of penciled in there. But you you, you want to limit his reps because he's getting over an injury. Um, so Achumba is the name that was brought up to me that that would slide in there and potentially be a first team guy in the spring. Now I think he's got a long ways to go. Um, the, from what we've seen from him, they put him at tackle a little bit. They put him at guard a little bit. Um, it's it's going to be a, a true wild card in the, in that uh, right guard spot, but it, it's an opportunity for him. And I'm, I'm curious to see 
how he embraces that, how he handles that, and you know if he can stay healthy because that's kind of been the book on Golden Achum- Israel Chumba throughout his career is can he stay healthy? He's had some foot problems and things like that. But hey, it's it's a big opportunity for the big guy. Um, we'll see if he can if he can embrace it again. I don't expect a ton from that offensive line in in the spring, but it's really a great chance for him to step up and and maybe um, uh, solidify himself in the two deep going for the fall. Yeah, and, and he falls into that category. One of those five 2020 offensive line signees, Olu Fashano seems to be the front runner for left tackle where he started. We expect him to be that first teamer if he's if he's ready. Um, and then, you know, Golden Israel Trumba, Traore, Christ, Dawkins, who's going to emerge here? And that's that's an interesting one because he's not a name that we have discussed much here on the podcast at any point since uh, really he signed with the team. And uh, and, so and, and don't take that to, yeah, for me to say he's going to be a breakout player, you know, or he's going right. to be great or anything like that. It's just he's got an opportunity and we really have not talked about him during his time on campus so far. We'll see what happens. Uh, plenty will surface from winter workouts and spring about some of these roster risers. Always fascinating time of the year to, to see who's making strides uh, toward the season. Sean, one other note here as we wrap things up, a couple Penn State players vying for a Super Bowl championship, Grant Haley and Nick Scott, both with the Los Angeles Rams. Nick Scott really has found himself a home there with Los Angeles. They've been one of the better teams in the NFL uh, during his career, and, and he's a guy that I think left Penn State with very little fanfare, um, and, and he's made himself an NFL career. Grant Haley has bounced around a bit. He's been a journeyman, produced one of the most memorable plays uh, here in Penn State uh, history, and, and here he is on the threshold of, of maybe becoming a Super Bowl champion. No one on the Cincinnati Bengals side of things, but last year you had Godwin, Donovan Smith, A.Q. Shipley, although he was sidelined and injured winning the Super Bowl. Um, if you want to see an Indy Lion win the Super Bowl, root for the Rams. Personally, Sean, though, having a hard time not putting a, 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 at least a pinky toe on this Bengals bandwagon because they got a lot of fun mojo going right now. Yeah, it should be a fun game. I mean, it's, I think it's one of those ones where, you know, if you're a Penn State fan, a lot of there's not a ton of Rams fans. Shout out to Dave, but there's not a ton of Rams fans um, or Bengals fans that go in there. So if you're trying to find something that tips you, these two kids are awesome or kids. I call them kids, but these two guys are awesome. Like great representatives through the program the entire time. Nick Scott's always been wonderful to deal with. Grant Haley has been the same. Grant just lost his father this year. So that's certainly something that, you know, for him to get a Super Bowl championship would be just unbelievable uh, given that all all he's gone through in the last couple of years. So um, these are two personalities. These are two kids that, that are Ruth, that are worth rooting for. And if you're on the fence about it and you want to see some Penn state guys, get some hardware. um, Yeah. Yeah, you got to go with the Rams this weekend, I guess. 45 different Penn State products have earned a total of 63 Super Bowl rings. Um, we'll see if that total gets a little bit higher on Sunday. Sean, that's going to do for us. Like we said, back Monday with the start of a new week. We'll, we'll see what happens between now and then. Uh, we did have Pat Fryermuth on last year and talking about the path to the draft. We hope to have some more of these draft prospects from Penn State on between now and the draft. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Of course, recruiting news will pop up. We'll get on that. Lions247.com is your destination between episodes. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Lions 24-7 podcast.